Good morning. It's wonderful to be here today. And uh, thank you for all of those people who were, who were willing to send in uh, those little recordings and be recorded. I know I was uh, very encouraged when I was, as I was hearing uh, people share how this, this prayer has encouraged them and I, I hope and pray that it was encouragement to you too. Before we continue on with our, our series today, I do, would like to mention um, and, and encourage you as a church to continue to be praying for, for Lynn Massey and for, for Debbie, Caroline and Julie. Uh, Pastor Brian Massey passed away um, very early in this week and we came together on Friday to celebrate his life. Uh, they had an online memorial service and so we uh, came together just to remember him. But be praying, of course, for the family in this time and be praying for each other, encourage one another in this time. Uh, we loved Pastor Brian dearly and he will be very missed. Uh, but we also have hope and know that he's with his Lord Jesus Christ and we will see him one day in the future. But be praying for the family and each other, of course, in this time. It's one of the privileges of prayer is to uphold each other, is to encourage and, and support one another, but to be praying. Even when we're apart, we can come before our God and encourage each other in prayer. So be doing that, I encourage you. We have been looking at this series on prayer called Lord, Teach Us to Pray. And uh, we looked at, that, looked at the Lord's Prayer in its fullness over the, the term and over the last few weeks we've been doing a few extra themes that are not necessarily included in the Lord's Prayer but relate to prayer. And so last week we looked at the theme of pre- uh, prayer and listening to God and today is a theme that may seem disconnected but it's actually quite related. If we're thinking about praying and listening to God, about taking time out and hearing from him, well, it's close on the heels to that theme and that idea of, of hearing the Holy Spirit and enabling the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. That is very closely linked with, to a couple of other gifts, that is, speaking in tongues and the prophetic. And today I would like to focus on this idea of speaking in tongues. And it is an interesting topic. I'm sure that if you've just tuned in and you weren't aware that we're going there, you might even be thinking, really? (laughs) I had someone say to me during the week, wow, you're very brave to present this one. And I can remember thinking internally, I'm either very brave or very something else came to mind (laughs) instead. But this topic, I believe, is something we need to talk about. If it's in scripture, we need to address it. We need to look at it. And it sits in the midst of this prayer series simply because if prayer is speaking to and listening to God, then speaking in tongues and similarly the prophetic gift are prayer gifts. These are gifts that God gives us that aid us in our speaking to, in communicating and hearing God in our lives. Now I'm also sharing this from a long journey. You see, this this theme is very personal to me because many years ago as a young man starting at Bible college, I cried out to God as the disciples did and as you may have also, Lord, teach me to pray. In my early years as a pastor, I came to realise that my prayer life was not what I would have wanted it to be. I also recognised very early on that that I struggled with prayer. And so coming to God quite honestly and crying out, Lord, Teach me, teach me to pray. What does this really look like? And in that time, I started to study the scriptures even uh, even more in regards to this thing. 
And what I discovered is that God answered that prayer over a decade and a half. God continued and continues to grow me in this area. And one way that he did that was by bringing along some people in my life. Unexpectedly, this is not what I thought would happen. And I also was able to experience uh, a number of things on a number of mission trips as well. And these started to open my eyes to new realities in this area. Started to challenge me in my walk with God. And the most challenging was the close connection with prayer and the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues and the prophetic. This was probably the greatest challenge in this theme of prayer. A couple of experiences that started to, to I guess, make me more aware and understand this more was one of my very first mission trips I ever undertook was to Sri Lanka. And we went there and we, we came alongside a church that was, uh, that was reaching its local neighbourhood. And it was there that I experienced my first all-night prayer meeting. I'm not sure if you've ever experienced one of those, um, but I can remember thinking to myself, how am I going to do this? How will I get through this? Up to that point in time, half an hour seemed like a long time in prayer. And yet, that night I can remember passing by quite quickly. As we sat with this community of people who, who worshipped God together and they would pray together, and it was in the midst of this as people were praying and, and just quietly amongst themselves, a couple of the people around me I could hear were praying in tongues. And this was new, I hadn't experienced this very much before. But I was convinced that God was working in this place and so I start, started to have to wrestle about, well, what does this practice actually mean for us as believers in Christ? But then God also uh, stretched this even more when uh, we used to take teams to Vladivostok in Russia. But part of the, the journey would mean we'd fly, fly through South Korea. And in South Korea, Korea is Yoido, the, the largest Protestant church on the globe with over a million members in this church and many of its house churches and we went to one of their services there and I did a little bit of a research, of course, about this church also, read some of their books. But it's amazing the way this, this church has grown in South Korea. Uh, God moved in, in miraculous ways in this nation. And as I started to read their story, I found very quickly that it was a church built on and that was passionate about prayer. And it's known around the world for their, for their lengthy prayer meetings, but also for their prophetic gifts and for speaking in tongues. It's just a part of their normal everyday prayer life experience. And that challenged me because it was not a normal part of my experience. I grew up in a, in a Baptist church and the, the church I was a part of acknowledged the spiritual gifts. However, we never would see them practised in any form. So this was new. This was a real challenge. And then God started to bring people around me also, some passionate, God-loving, God-fearing people who love prayer. When I was at Whitley College, I was studying there, my first college I studied at in Glenroy for a number of years. This, this young... Asian female from, from Malaysia came and she just had this wonderful, wonderful, fresh and passionate love for God. She loved praying. She would, she would pray at any, any moment. And I can remember at times having, uh, in our times, of prayer, I could hear her. And you, you know how you have those times as you sit 
and you pray. I could hear her constantly just praying, even as other people are praying, we could hear her under her breath just, just praying passionately to God. And in the midst of that, also, this, this, this gift of speaking in tongues. So again, I was challenged by it. And then when I went to study at Whitley College, another close friend, a friend now who I've known for many years, still a very close friend, we started to, to meet and to, to talk and then this theme came up again. And now he comes from an Anglican tradition from Malaysia where this may not be as normal yet. This was a gift that God had, had blessed him with. And so when he would pray and we'd often pray together, he also would, would speak and pray in this way. And the thing that also challenged me and, and took me off guard was the, the, the humble nature in which he carried this gift. I've, I've heard of, as we all have, of the extreme examples. And yet this person was just humble and it wasn't overt, it was just very, very subtle and quiet. And in times of prayer and in times together, not only would he pray in this way, but he would also just turn and look at me and, and, and share encouragements that he felt God had placed on his heart. And often at times these were encouragements that, and that connected with things going in my life that I had not shared with him, that I was aware that only God and I knew about. And very quickly I became to see that this, these, these gifts are real. Very, very real, in fact. It was in the midst of this journey also that I was convicted and challenged by a passage in Scripture from 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5. We read, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control. Brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, treacherous, sorry, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And verse 5 is the part that stood out to me. It says, having a form of godliness but denying its power. The NLT translates that, that same verse, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like them is the encouragement. And these words rang in my heart. I couldn't let them go. Day after day, I can remember coming to God, coming to God saying, Lord, I do not want to be like that. Father, I, I do not want to have a form of religiosity or a form of godlessness, but that denies the very power of the Holy Spirit in my life. That added to that hunger to learn how to pray, but that added a hunger in my life to learn how to walk and to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. So today, I want to unpack this theme a little bit more. And I want to do it simply. I simply want to look at Scripture the way I did when I was on this journey. And I'd like you to be able to take this for yourself and discern it for yourself. I'm not sure where you come from. Different traditions uh, practice and teach this in different forms. And so I know for some... You might be encouraged by this. Yes, we need to talk about this more. For some of you, you may prefer not to talk about this theme at all. But I pray that today you might be open to at least listening and hearing and as we allow the Holy Spirit to teach us in this time. So firstly, I'd like to look at the two extremes. And we know these extremes 
And it's usually what we think of when we, when we consider this theme. As a definition for tongues or the tongue or glossolalia as it's actually said in its true form, as a definition it simply means the tongue, a member of the body, so the very tongue in your mouth, but it can also mean an organ of speech like what is your mother tongue, what is your mother language, it is also translated as. And these, the use of this is, it differs vastly in Christian experience. But the two extremes, firstly, on one end is that this gift has ceased. That the gift of tongues with many forms of the miraculous, uh, including the, the, the gift of prophecy, for instance, ended with the lives of the first apostles. I read this uh, in, the, in an article speaking about the, the Southern Baptist tradition. It says this, in 2015 the Southern Baptist Convention will admit missionary candidates who speak in tongues. This reverses a policy put in place a decade earlier. In 2005, the International Mission Board created guidelines that specifically disqualified all missionary candidates who spoke in tongues. For Southern Baptists, the practice, also known as glossolalia, ended after the death of Jesus' apostles. Interesting. This, this article, I guess, shares how, shares some of their, the roots of their, their belief and how that was changing, how they were now allowing missionaries within their, their tradition to be able to practice this gift if they so had it. But you can see very clearly that their, their, their stance, their traditional stance is that this gift ended after the death of Jesus' apostle. It's the, the cessationist theory. That it's no longer a part of our, our Christian life today. And the main key passage to defend this claim is found in 1 Corinthians 13.8. And I, I won't be displaying every one of these verses for you, but I'd encourage you to write these down and search them in fullness for yourself. 1 Corinthians 13.8 says, Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a, ch- when I was a child, I talked like a child. I-, I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Very clearly, if we look here, it does very clearly state that the prophetic and, and, and the gift of tongues, for instance, will be stilled. Even gifts of words of knowledge, it will pass away. However, if you read from verse 9 and verse 10, it says very clearly, when completeness comes, these things will disappear. When completeness comes... But when is this? It's shown right here, it's defined for us. You see, when completeness comes, it's speaking of that time when we walk face to face with Jesus Christ, verse 12. It's when either we pass away and we come before Jesus Christ, or it's when Jesus returns. And this logic is a a logical understanding for the prophetic, for speaking in tongues, words of knowledge. These are forms of communicating with Jesus in this time of grace when we don't walk face to face with him. 
And on that day when we do stand before him, they will cease for we will no longer need them because we will be able to talk to him face to face. We'll be able to walk with him. And so very clearly, in my understanding, I can see that this does not hold up. There are other issues, but Paul clearly defines also and encourages for, for the church to speak in tongues. He says in 1 Corinthians 14.5, I wish you could all speak in tongues. He also says in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians in verse 39, be eager to prophesy, but don't forbid speaking in tongues. Don't forbid it. So in Paul's understanding, these gifts were not going to end. They were encouraged to be a part of the life of the church as it lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so on one end, that this gift has ceased, in my mind, does not hold up. But then on the other end, we have this, that tongues is a sign of a Christian or of a person being filled with the Holy Spirit. And one element, this is true. The gift of tongues does come by the Holy Spirit. However, the extreme view of this is that this is the and own, this is the, the key sign, I should say, that shows the evidence of the filling of the Holy Spirit, and that if a believer does not speak in tongues, if someone who claims to walk with Jesus Christ does not speak in tongues, then they are not filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is a, a key theory and, 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 and thought in many Pentecost, Pentecostal and charismatic movements. Not all but most. And in, in and of itself has become a rite of, par, of passage to be truly spiritual. Um, I read a, an interesting article this week about a, a young individual who grew up in one of these, these movements. Quite an extreme version of this movement. And he, he blatantly admits that as a young man, in order to be one of the crowd, he faked this idea of speaking in tongues. And he says that in their community, it was because it had become a rite of passage. It was proof that you had finally arrived in your walk with Jesus Christ. And this is the consequence of this error. That people are forced to chase something which may not be for all people. It also puts uh, layers of certain things that are more spiritual and others being less so. As we dive into scripture, we see that even this understanding is not accurate. For we see many instances of God's work without speaking of tongues. Acts 4.31 is, is one example. After prayer, we read, The meeting shook place, and they, that is the disciples, were filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. See, in this case, the, the community that came together were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they went out and they preached with boldness. The spiritual gift God gave them in this time was boldness. It doesn't seem as, as spiritual, yet that's the Holy Spirit at work in his believers. And Paul also makes it very clear that the gifts that God gives are not for everyone. In Acts 12.7 we read, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. 
To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between Spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So what we see here is that there's this this picture being painted that these gifts are given by God. And not every person gets every gift. We know that of many of the other gifts in our Christian walk, God gives us many talents and many gifts and then we're unique in them. And to make this even clearer in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 27 we read, Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance and of different kinds of tongues. Verse 29, are all apostles? Question mark. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. See, Paul writes here, these are, these are rhetorical questions that he is speaking. No, not, not everybody has all of these gifts, of course. It is God who gives them. And so not everybody has every single gift. So very clearly we see that both of these extremes do not hold up. Both of these are not a true indication of what we see in Scripture. So what is? And that's the question I had. That's the question, well, God, what, what do you say in regards to this gift? And this, this, this is themed around the idea also, well, is this for today? Is this gift for us as, as Christians? Does it still exist? And is it still useful as believers in Jesus Christ? So I'd like to unpack two main passages. There's two main books in the Bible, two, two letters. Uh, the first of one of the two letters to the Corinthians, so 1 Corinthians, and also the book of Acts. These are where we find the main examples for our understanding of this. I'd like to read a number of the key passages as we find in Acts and in 1 Corinthians. I can't read them all. So I'd encourage you also this week to open your Bibles and read through uh, these these chapters. What we find, what we find as we open up Scripture is this. Firstly, we find that tongues is a discernible language. It is a spiritual gift. It's an empowerment given by God, but as a discernible language. Have a look. You'll see, especially in the book of Acts. Now, I do understand that's quite small. uh, My apologies there, but open up your Bibles and you can follow with me. Acts 2 from verse 4 to 13 is probably the key passage uh, that I'd like to use out of the book of Acts. Now this is at a time, of course, where Jesus has promised the Holy Spirit to his disciples. He's, He's invited them to go and to wait And this is the account of when the Holy Spirit comes on power on the early disciples on the day of Pentecost. It's in Acts 2 from verse 4. Let's go from verse 1 
On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Other languages. Quite clear in this context that they're discernible languages. And to clarify that for us, continue. At that time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are are all from Galilee and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them saying they're just drunk, that's all. What a fascinating account as the Holy Spirit comes. But very clearly we see that this is a, these are discernible languages. That God enables them and, and gives the, this gift to the early disciples to speak these languages, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And we see this again in Acts 10.44. We see the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. In this point in particular, the good news has been shared to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, and the Holy Spirit is poured out on them too, and they also exhibit this ability to speak in other tongues and other languages. Acts 19.4 Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus and where Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about twelve men in all. And in Acts 19.5, they were baptised in the Lord Jesus Paul lays his hand on them and the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other languages and they prophesied. In the book of Acts we see this as as an experience of the early church as the the Holy Spirit is poured out on God's people. But it's very clearly defined and noticeable that what we're seeing here is another language. We're seeing that it is understood by those in in the local area who are hearing them. And this is very, very important. The context is very important in the book of Acts. Because this, this, if for us, this is the first account of the Holy Spirit being poured out on all people, on Jew and Gentile. Up to this point in time, the, 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 the Orthodox faith was for the Jews alone. But God was going to now open up you know, his, his love, his grace to all people in a way that he had never done before. He was going to pour out his spirit on Jews and Gentiles alike. And so as the Holy Spirit is poured out, we see that different languages 
uh, that God gives gifts of different languages to, to the believers so that all people can understand and to see the good news of Jesus Christ. But to also understand that this is a God that is for all people, for all people, no matter what corner of the earth they may have come from. So we see that quite clearly in Acts. We also see another angle, however. We also see tongues as a mysterious language. And we find that in the book of Corinthians. I'd like to read just two key passages, but if, if this is something that you would really like to look into deeper, I, I would encourage you to read 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14 together in full. Paul presents these, uh, this writing to a church that was misusing these spiritual gifts. So he's clarifying uh, this and then giving them a clear understanding of how to go about these gifts, which is also helpful for us. I'm going to focus mainly on two key passages, one from 1 Corinthians 12 from verse 4. We see this. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. And so as we read this, there's a lot here to unpack, of course, but we see here that all of the gifts are given by God, they gifts that come by the power of the Holy Spirit within us. Different gifts to different people, all for the purpose of building up the church, all for the purpose of encouraging one another. Clearly noticeable here is the ability to speak in different kind of tongues and also yet another ability to interpret such tongues. I'd like to continue to 1 Corinthians 14.1 because 1 Corinthians 14.1 also clarifies further that this gift of tongues is, is far more than what could be just an understandable or distinguishable language. Have a look at 1 Corinthians 14.1. Paul writes, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy, he says. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one even understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, says Paul, but I would rather have you prophesy, for the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. This is an interesting passage, because in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul is actually comparing the gift of prophecy and of speaking in tongues. He very clearly states that the prophetic gift is far more important far more useful because it can be used to encourage and to build up the church. 
The prophetic is when we allow God to, to speak into our situation, into our heart, when we share that with those around us. We can encourage them. It can often come from reading the word of God. It can often come in times of prayer. They can be words that God has given to us and as we share them to others, it encourages other people too. They can be words that God places on our hearts to share with others, to build them up, to encourage them. But it does need to be stated very clearly that the gift of tongues is still encouraged. It's encouraged in its fullness and and in its perfect form in a place and in a way where there is also someone to interpret that. So that those words that the person speaks, just like the prophetic words, can be understood and can can encourage those who hear them. But Paul doesn't discount it completely, for he also shares quite clearly that if an interpreter isn't present, He doesn't simply say don't use it, no. He simply says use it for your own personal prayer. Use it for your own edification to build up your own uh, own walk with God. And so it can't be ignored. It definitely exists. It's a, a part of our walk with Jesus Christ. But we need to practice it. We need to practice it with care, with love and with grace. Preferably in a way that will encourage other people around us. I need to admit that in all my time I'm yet to, to have seen the interpretation of tongues carried out well. I've had one or two occasions where, where I've seen it occur in, in a time of prayer. But in most times, however, this gift seems to be for personal edification. Very clear that this is something still from God, something that is unknown, it's, it's, mysterious. it's mysterious. It's a language that cannot be understood. But it is still for personal edification and God gives it when he so wills. I think Romans 8.26 is a wonderful explanation of how this personal edification works with this gift. Romans 8.26 says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And so this gift is a way of coming before God and enabling the Holy Spirit to take these words, often unknown, often mysterious, and to pray things that are unknown, led by the Holy Spirit. So it's real, we we, we cannot ignore it. We also should not promote it. We need to find a balance. You see, even Paul encourages this as one of the gifts, but as one of the least of the gifts. For if the gifts are there to build up the church, and it's used only for personal reasons, well, it exists, but it's not as as high as we may think. He also encourages us that it needs to be used in the community with care for the benefit of all people. He encourages that we need to have a careful balance. We need to acknowledge it. For God still gives gives this gift as he so wills. We just need to trust that in God's hands. We can't force it. 
we also need to accept that this is still at work in the lives and, and for God's people today. So there's a bit of a, theo- a theological understanding that the purpose for tongues is to build up the church or the individual. It's a discernible language, it's also a, a mysterious one, but even in all of that you might say, Wally, that's great. What's the practical reality? What, what does it look like? And I'll share this quite quickly. On the continuum of two extremes, let's say that most Baptist traditions would politely acknowledge this gift, but in practice, ignore it or store it away in the back recesses of our minds. If it does emerge in some way in some conversation, we might find a way to sidestep it or politely nod and move on. However, if this is still a gift that God distributes to individuals and for his church, we are all the poorer for not embracing it. Of course, with care, without manipulation, but readily nonetheless, nonetheless, it is a gift from God. I've heard of traditions also that that force the gift, as I've shared, that, that encourage people to practice it or to fake it till you make it. All of these things are not done with care. So how do we respond? How do we practically go go on? Simply two things. Firstly, it's not about the gift. As much as this theme is about prayer and tongues, this all starts with the question, Lord, teach me to pray. Pursue God, desire him. Pursue the gift giver, not the gift. If God so wills it in your life, He will pour it out. He will give. So be careful. You and I, we we can do this in so many areas of life and this is one of them. We're reminded to pursue the gift giver, to to pursue God himself, to desire him. As you do that, explore scripture and be ready for what he will bring. It was a surprise in my journey, I can tell you that. But be ready, be open to learning and being challenged or even changing the way you have thought about the things of God. God is forever growing us, forever expanding our understanding of himself. And also, practice a habit of prayer. Grow in prayer, for this is a prayer gift. Here's the encouragement. Don't be bound by your tradition or the practices you've only known Be open to different expressions of prayer. God did that for me by by drawing people around me who could could show it, who could be examples of what this looked like in in beautiful and in humble and in in real ways. But be open to it. Maybe God's doing that in your life but you're shutting that door off. You're you're not allowing that opportunity. No, be be open to learn and, and to grow in this area. And here's a really practical one. Use your tongue in prayer. What do I mean by that? Some of our traditions have encouraged us to pray uh, very quietly and silently all the time. Even Jesus encourages us to go and to pray quietly and silently. That, That is true. But it was also a practice and it's also an encouragement to go and to pray as a community of faith. And to do so out loud. For the gift of tongues is about the tongue and if God is going to use it, we need to use it. We need to be practising. 
Many gifts, for instance, we're given as we put them into practice. If you, if you want to know if you have the gift of, of service, you don't wait on your couch and, and ask God to pick you up and to, to force you to do something. No, it's discovered as you go and as you, you start loving people and as you start serving, the gift becomes evident. In the same way, this gift, if it's a, a, a prayer gift, well, it will become evident as you pray. And it's specifically a gift that's verbal. So I encourage you, start praying out loud. I'm not saying make up syllables, make up words. No, pray with normal, intelligible words. Pray on your own out loud. I remember I started to put this into practice and it feels a bit odd at first because we're not used to it. But that is the same with all things we haven't tried before. I encourage you, pray out loud. Become more confident with praying out loud with other believers. Pray together. Many of the Eastern and Middle Eastern expressions, where these gifts are often more common, actually gather as communities of believers and they pray out loud all at once, all together. In South Korea, when we went to the church, as a part of their prayer time, they literally stated from the front, we are now going to come to God in prayer. The first time this happened, I was taken aback. I'd read about it, but this, this was an experience. All of a sudden... The church full of 12,000 people erupted in prayer all at once, all at the same time, all out loud. The person up on the stage stood back a few steps and did the same, just prayed. Uh, You couldn't even hear his prayer, but you could hear the voices of thousands of people praying and lifting their their, their prayers and their worship to God. I sat there and I was mesmerised. This was new. But it's common. In, in many of these cultures and traditions to do so. And what we find also, it's far more common for the prophetic and the, the gift of speaking in tongues because they use their tongue in prayer. None of this, of course, is a guarantee. Why? Because God distributes his gifts as he pleases. But we need to position ourselves to be ready to recognise them in our lives when God does pour them out upon us. So a couple simple things, a couple practical things you can do in your own life. Ultimately, pursue God, desire Him. The rest will follow, if He so wills. Today we're now also going to conclude together as a, a community of faith by coming to communion. It's, it's interesting, because... As Paul expresses these thoughts and these ideas about these spiritual gifts, the church to which he was writing had placed them on such a pedestal that they were neglecting each other. And as Paul writes these words in chapter 13, some of the most famous words about how we should love one another, he writes in verse 1, If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but I don't love others, I would be like a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. In the midst of all of this, Paul is reminding his people, love each other. All of the gifts, everything God is giving to you, it's not for your sake, it's to build up the church, to build up your love for God. Love people. He also wrote in Philippians 2, 3, writes these, these beautiful words. 
in your relationship with one another, he says, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So my encouragement for you today is to love people. Whatever God gives, whatever gifts he gives, they're for the sake of encouraging those around you. And our greatest example is Jesus Christ, who would go to a cross, who wouldn't build himself up, who wouldn't promote himself. No, he would humble himself and give his life for us.